Today's message from Stuart Briscoe is one of encouragement, so stay with us. Telling the truth is coming right up. But first, your generous support keeps broadcasts like this one today going out around the world so you and others can experience life through the teaching and resources of telling the truth. And to thank you for your gift today, we'll send you Stuart and Jill's powerful new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. It's all about how you can live victoriously and win the battles against your spiritual enemy when you stand in Christ and the power of His Spirit. This offer is only available for a few more days, so call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart with some timeless wisdom from God's Word. The Lord Jesus visited a town called Nain, and as he was going through the city gates, he met a funeral cortege on the way out. A young man had died. A large crowd were following the bearers of the coffin, and alongside the coffin was the mother of the boy. She was also a widow. She understandably was devastated by this experience, and when Jesus saw her, he was moved with compassion towards her. He surprised everybody by halting the funeral procession, going up to the coffin and doing the unthinkable. He touched it and therefore made himself ceremoniously unclean. And then to everybody's amazement, he said to the corpse, young man, I say unto you, arise. And the story goes that the young man sat up, spoke to him, and he was given back to his mother. Uh, So if we're asking the question, what did Jesus do? (laughs) The answer is twofold. He raised the dead and he comforted the bereaved. Well, now, let me just draw some things out of this particular story. It says in in Luke chapter 7, verse 12, that as Jesus moved into the town of Nain, he met a dead person. Now, I don't know about you, but that term dead person strikes me as very odd. In fact, I would say it's an oxymoron. Uh, There's a sense in which that is a grating thing. Because when we think in terms of a person, we don't think in terms of them being dead. And when we think of a person being dead, we hardly think in terms of their personhood. Let me remind you, of course, of the uniqueness of our personhood. When we think in terms of what it means to be a person, we recognize that our uniqueness is seen in the fact that we are certainly physical and can relate to the physical world, and we're certainly social and can relate to the social environment, but we're also spiritual and can function in a spiritual dimension. That is what makes us uniquely human. Now, when you find a person who is intended to be a whole person functioning in all three areas, you've really got a person. But this man is now dead. And what that means in terms of his physical existence is that certain organs have ceased to operate. They have ceased to operate. It is an irreversible situation. It is permanent. So a permanent, irreversible cessation of the operation of certain physical organs has happened. That is why they're carrying him out. If his organs were operating, if he was physically alive, he'd be walking out. And of course, not walking to his funeral. You notice also that this young man is being carried out in a coffin. 
The reason it's being carried out in a coffin is that as soon as this irreversible permanent state is established, then immediately another process starts, and that is the deterioration and the decay of the body. That's why it's in, in a coffin. And the reason that they're leading him out of the town into the place of burial, of course, is that this is demonstrative of the fact that the organs have stopped operating, that he is no longer a whole person, that the process of decay is set in and separation has taken place. He's dead. And nothing, humanly speaking, will change the situation. Now, if this sounds terribly morbid, let's accept the fact that this is the situation confronting the human race. Thomas Gray, in his famous poem entitled Elegy Written in a Country Churchyard, said this, The boast of heraldry, the pomp of power, and all that beauty and all that wealth ever gave alike awaits the inevitable hour, the paths of glory lead but to the grave. That happens to be true. And Jesus confronts a dead person. Now, of course, there's another dimension to our deadness, and it is this. That deadness is not just a cessation of the operation of certain physical organs, but death also is described in Scripture as being alienation from God as a direct result of sin. Through the disobedience of one man, we're told that sin entered into the world and death by sin. When God created man in the first place, he made man capable of relating to God, the spiritual dimension. This relationship was to be on the basis of an intelligent, loving, trusting obedience. And in order that man might exhibit intelligent, loving, trusting obedience and thereby relate to God, he was given the capability of choice. And it's pointless giving a person the capability of choice if they don't have options. And so this was the option that God gave man. He gave man a superb environment that was absolutely perfect. And in the midst of that superb, absolutely perfect environment, he put one tree, just one, one little tree. And he said, don't touch, keep out. And man being very smart knew exactly what to do. He said, all I've got to do in order to enjoy all that God has given me is to live in intelligent, loving, trusting obedience. And the only thing God has told me to do that will show my obedience is don't do that. And so wild horses wouldn't get me near that tree, right? Wrong. For there was something about this man that gives us a clue to you and to me. And it was this, that when God says thou shalt not, something in me immediately says, Oh, but I shall. Oh, but I shall. That may not sound very, very significant. But in actual fact, what God had said was this. The day you disobey, you die. The day you disobey, you die. And he didn't. Well, he didn't die physically, but alienation from God set in. He is created by God for God to live through God. God is to be his source, God is to be his course, God is to be the very force of his experience, and now he's alienated from his source and his course and his force. He is created by God for God to be accountable to God, and now he's lost God, and a great God-shaped blank appears in man's heart, and it is filled up by all kinds of other things, and this is the simplest description of this cruel, hurting, tear-filled world 
in which we live. Through one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world and death by sin. There's another kind of deadness. It is that kind of deadness that is alienation from God that is directly related to that encroaching physical deadness that results in the decay and separation from all that is known and loved. And Jesus meets a dead person. He meets a human being made in the image of God for God who now because of disobedience and sin is experiencing all that humanity experiences. Death and bereavement and the grave and sorrow and pain and anguish and tears. That, that is why in, in scripture, death is described as an enemy. Death is described as an enemy. The scriptures tell us that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. Stuart Briscoe is speaking to you today. He's part of the teaching team that makes up Telling the Truth. But first, here's a note we received from Linda, a radio listener in Pennsylvania who says... Your teachings have helped me learn about Jesus, myself, and how to navigate life through prayer. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you, Linda. That's the kind of blessing you can bring into people's lives through your gift of support today as you help share God's word around the world so more people can experience life through telling the truth. And when you give this month, we'd like to bless you with a copy of Stuart and Joel Briscoe's new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. Every day, you're locked in a battle with your spiritual enemy, one that threatens your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. But you're not alone, and you're not without help. And in this powerful series, the Briscoes will show you, straight from God's Word, how you can live victoriously each day. You'll gain confidence in knowing that you'll never be overpowered in your spiritual battles as you discover that the fight's not even fair when you have Christ and His Spirit. Fighting Unseen Forces is our thanks for your gift to help more people experience life through the teaching resources of Telling the Truth. This offer will only last a few more days, so request your copy when you call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or give online at tellingthetruth.org. Also, we want to let you know that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station, but you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Jill Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org, on the Telling the Truth app, or at oneplace.com. We trust you will connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's great teaching. We return now to Stuart, who is telling us about the power of Christ to truly comfort those who mourn. Now, the ancients had this great idea of death. They talked a lot about it. Incidentally, in our culture, the taboo subject now is death. The ancients did not find death a taboo subject. Aristotle said, death is the most terrible of all things, for it is the end. Epicurus says something similar. Death is the most terrifying of all things. Sophocles, only for death can man find no cure. Heidegger more recently said, soon as a human being is alive, he's old enough to die. B.F. Skinner said, 
Death is the inescapable fate of the individual, the final assault on freedom and dignity. It's true. Not only does scripture describe death as an enemy, it describes death as that which men and women fear. In fact, it says that through Christ's death and resurrection, he was able to render a body blow to the one who holds people in bondage through fear of death. Fear of death. Many, many people's lives are lived in abject denial of what is inevitable and inescapable. Why do they live in denial of it? Because they are so afraid of this dreadful, dreadful thing. This dreadful thing that will introduce all kinds of sorrow and pain and that will usher the living into the realm of the dead. And if they have no assurance of where they go, It is an enemy, and it's a fearsome enemy. And Jesus walks into the city of Nain, and he meets a dead person. Walking alongside, overwhelmed by grief, is a lady. And when Jesus sees her, we're told his heart goes out to her. Of course it did. He was moved with compassion. Uh, The translation, his heart goes out to her, is a very loose translation of the Greek. Because that, that clearly is a metaphorical expression. His blood pump did not reach out to her. It's a metaphor. The Greeks had a different metaphor. The Greek word translated compassion has its roots in the word for the intestines. They thought that the intestines were the focal point of the passions and therefore the center of compassion. And if we can use the term that isn't too gross and too blunt, we could almost literally say when he saw her, He felt for her deep in his gut. Who wouldn't? This woman has suffered irreversible loss. She is now confronting a totally unknown experience. How is she going to cope? Jesus sees this widow woman who's lost her son, and of course his heart goes out to her. No wonder he reached out in compassion to her. She's grieving, she's bereft, she's bereaved, she's stripped, she's frightened. And he says to her, don't cry. Of course, he could say that to her. He knew what he was going to do. What he did was very simple and very basic. He simply demonstrated his authority over death. We should not be surprised at this because the Lord Jesus was moving into a situation where he was demonstrating something. And it was this. Up until that time, this world had been governed by evil forces. It was this present evil world. But Jesus, at his incarnation, introduced the coming of the eternal kingdom of God. And to show that the eternal kingdom of God was coming and would inevitably keep on coming until its final consummation. In order to demonstrate that this was happening, he was demonstrating that he was the king with authority. And so with great authority, he rebuked the demons. And with great authority, he rebuked illness. And now with great authority, he rebukes death. And finally, of course, he rebuked death in the ultimate when he died our death, went down into the grave and on the third day, rose again from the dead. And when he raised this young man from the dead, he was simply illustrating what he had come to teach and what he had come to do himself. And the people, when they saw what he did, were amazed and they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. Well, it was more than that. But then they said, God has come to help his people. And they were absolutely right. That was precisely what he'd come to do. 
He had come to tell people there is hope beyond the grave. He had come to tell people that death is swallowed up in victory, that the grave has lost its sting. They had come to tell people that men and women could begin to have hope and they could begin to say with calm, settled assurance, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That was what he had come to proclaim. So what did Jesus do? He met a dead person and he knew a dead person when he saw one. He reached out to a bereaved woman with great compassion and he demonstrated his ultimate and final authority over sin and death and hell. What good, good news that is. The incarnate God came in order that he might demonstrate the kingdom has come, that he might go to the cross to die for our sins, that he might die our death and then through his resurrection kill death dead and through his ascension open a new and a living way into the presence of the eternal God so that we could begin to hear the words that he spoke to Lazarus' grieving sisters. I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother will live again. Do you believe this? Yes, I do. He'll rise again. Roll away the stone, he said. She said, I can't roll away the stone. He's been dead. He's decaying. He said, didn't I send you that if you'd believe, you would see? Roll away the stone. And then this is what he explained to her. He said, listen, if anybody lives and believes in me, he'll never die. And whoever dies, if he's committed to me, will live Again, because I live, you will live also. So what did Jesus do? He recognized dead persons. He reached out in compassion to grieving persons. And he gave men and women hope beyond the grave. Now here's the question. You thought we'd never get to it. Well, what would Jesus do today? I'll tell you what he would do. He would confront courageously people about their mortality. What do we need to do? We need to courageously confront our mortality. I'll be realistic with you for a minute. When you die, not if, when you die, where will you spend eternity? That's realism. Not if something should happen to you, my dear friends, it will. That is, if you'll pardon the expression, a dead cert. It will. We must confront our own mortality It will happen to you. And eternity begins immediately for you. Where will you spend eternity? That is what Jesus would do and that's what we must do. We must confront our own mortality. Number two, we must consistently communicate the realities of eternity. Our politicians will not do it. Our politicians will get onto their litany of jobs they want to do, depending on whether they're Democrats or Republicans, and they will always tell you that we must do it for our children and our grandchildren. It sounds great, but then what? How about preparing people not for two generations? How about preparing people for eternity? That's our job. They won't do it. And that's what Jesus would do. The third thing, we must compassionately comfort those dealing with extremities. Scripture says quite categorically that if we're going to demonstrate the reality of our religion, we're going to do it for those who are grieving. We're going to do it for those who are suffering loss. We're going to do it in a way that is concerned and intelligent. And the fourth and final thing is this. We should carefully contribute to healthy recovery. There's a uniqueness about all our grieving. There's a uniqueness about all the things that we have gone through. But as we begin to lay hold of the uniqueness of our own grieving, 
We must embrace it and apply it to the rest of our lives. That was Stuart Briscoe bringing his refreshing and timeless wisdom here on Telling the Truth. Spiritual warfare is very real, and it's a war in which every Christian is engaged. The truth is, your spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from experiencing the abundant life God wants you to have in Christ. The good news is that through Christ and the power of His Spirit, you're a guaranteed victory. It's that encouragement that Stuart and Jill are excited to give you with their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. This powerful resource will encourage you with the comforting truth that you're not alone when it comes to spiritual warfare. As you grow in God's Word with this series, you'll gain clarity of purpose, courage for battle, and strength for each day. And for just a few more days, Fighting Unseen Forces is our way of thanking you for your gift to help more people around the world experience abundant life in Christ through the unchanging truth of God's Word. Don't miss the special offer, which ends soon. Simply request your copy of the series when you call today and give a gift to help keep the ministry of Tell Me the Truth going around the world. Call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388 or give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart to answer a few questions about today's broadcast. Stuart, is it possible to be a believer and still choose spiritual death or separation from God? I think the answer to to this question can be found in a very, very powerful statement of Jesus. Uh, this, This is what he said. He that hears my word and believes in him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has already passed from death to life. Uh, and so uh, the, Jesus is, is saying, look, there, there is a very, very specific transition that will take place in a person's life when they come to faith in, in Jesus, when they commit themselves to the Father who sent Jesus, who took him to the cross where he became a sacrifice for our sins. They believe in God who raised him from the dead and exalted him to the highest place in heaven and has stipulated that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. If I believe in this God who has done all this in Jesus, then Jesus said, simple fact of the matter is this, you have received eternal life and you have already passed from death to life. It's either or. Okay, and why would an atheist who doesn't believe in heaven or hell be afraid of death? Well, I'm sure uh, every atheist has different reasons uh, for his attitudes and for what what he believes. But uh, I I think we should differentiate between death and dying. I think it's possible for some people, uh, whether they're atheists or not atheists, uh, to be unafraid of, of death. 
I think a Christian should be unafraid of death. That, that does not mean they should not have some major trepidation about dying, because the act of dying that leads ultimately to death can be very, very ugly. It can be very, very painful. It, it can be a very, very long process, and it certainly involves uh, leaving loved ones and leaving all that we have ever experienced. Well, an, an atheist uh, would would have the same feelings, I would assume. So whether or not the atheist who doesn't believe in an afterlife is afraid of death, I don't know. But I would expect he, he probably would be very, very nervous uh, about dying. But then there's another side to it is this, that for the atheist, if death is the end of everything, there must be an enormous sense of loss for them. For all the everything that they'll ever know is coming to an end. And they'll fear that, I would imagine. Thanks so much for your answer, Stuart. We hope today's message encouraged you. Now, before we go, remember that just for a few more days, when you give to help keep telling the truth broadcasts like this one going out around the world, we'll send you Stuart and Joel Briscoe's new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, to help you discover how you can live victoriously each day knowing that with Christ and His Spirit, you're never alone. It's a powerful resource you don't want to miss. So call now to give and remember to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces with our thanks. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. And just a reminder that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station. But you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Jill Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org, on the Telling the Truth app, or at oneplace.com. We trust you'll connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's great teaching. Tune in again tomorrow when Stuart continues his What Did Jesus Do? series with a powerful message about serving the underprivileged. It's a powerful teaching that will really strengthen you for your journey right here on Telling the Truth with Stuart and Joel Briscoe.